It's Mackling and McNabb. McGarry returns tomorrow. And Loren, we're going to jump right into this because the temperature, probably not the topic of conversation today, one degree, but it is the snow. And already we have a closure on Manitoba Highways. This from Manitoba Highways, Highway Closure, Highway 1 from Brandon to the Saskatchewan border is now closed. This closure is due to poor winter driving caused by rain and icy conditions. And we also have a couple of cancellations already. Yeah, so of course, in that area, we know the they, they got more snow yesterday than us. We have reports of up to 30 centimeters in that Anano Roddy Mountain area. And so, of course, schools in the Dauphin area are closed this morning. And then buses are not running outside the city of Brandon. And we'll keep those cancellation notices coming when we get them. But the temperature will be part of the conversation, I think, because it's just that perfect point, a little bit above freezing bouncing back and forth. So the snow is melting in downtown Winnipeg, but my drive-in was a, was a mess. And so therefore, I think, you know, if it gets cooler, it'll be more slippery. If it gets even a couple degrees warmer, we might just see a, a melt of all this and we might say, eh, annoying, but no big deal. So you, you are always the voice of reason. Sarah McCarthy, our new morning news anchor. How was your drive-in this morning, Sarah? was okay it could be worse i guess trying to stay positive but yeah lots of flurries just mix of rain and snow making it difficult to see absolutely yeah things have even changed in the last couple Mm -hmm. of hours uh we came in uh before four o'clock this morning and it was basically all snow covered uh, I know you and yeah. I take a very similar route and Henderson Highway was snow covered. Yep. So was the Disraeli and Main Street. We can see Main Street from 30 floors above and it looks as though the snow is mostly disappearing. disappearing. <laughs> so uh, more traffic. And then the question of the morning, Loren. Thanks, Sarah. We'll catch up with you a little bit Sounds later. Good. We appreciate it. I know you're going to be busy this morning. Uh, Loren, I think we're going to have a conversation about what are we going to see in terms of salting, sanding, plowing today. The city of Winnipeg feels so bad. They've been on top of and trying to get out and clean up after this past winter and all the sand that's been left behind. And here we are. How do you go? I guess we got to send out the sand trucks again. It's hard to know what to do because it, how quickly will it melt it might depend on just how heavy the traffic is in certain areas. And so I drive in on 59 south of Winnipeg. And it was snow-packed and icy the whole way in. And from 4 to, well, it took me twice as long today. So from 4 a.m. to 4.45, didn't see a plow. And then I get to Marion Street and I see the lights flashing, Marion and Archibald, and the lights go by. And I think, oh, here's my first set of plows. And coming up behind the sort of the, the lead car, the lead truck, were two street sweepers. Two street sweeping machines were out as the snow fell. Now that could be they're moving from one place to another. Maybe they're just out there doing things. But I, uh, I did not know what was going on there. Todd says, good morning, gag. Drive in wasn't all that bad. Did I see a street cleaner out, though? Yeah, so Todd, Todd saw it, too. Todd did see it. So and you Todd's in a different part up. of the city. So, no, I wasn't making it up. I saw two street sweepers. I just thought, please tell me you're, you're moving. hallucinating. You're moving from one spot to another. Or what do I know? Maybe this. Maybe it's sweepable snow, for all I know, and that's how they, they're clearing. I don't know. In September of 91, I moved to Calgary, and we had, had snow. I think it was on the 11th or the 14th of September. And that's how they managed it in Calgary was with sweet with street sweepers. So we'll we'll keep you up to date. Text messages, please. 204-780-6868. How is your drive? What are you seeing? And of course, text us when it's safe to do so. The big news yesterday 
was the PSAC strike. 9,000 workers in Winnipeg, 155,000 workers across the country, Loren. And this section from a global national story uh, by reporter Turiya Isri really caught my attention as I was watching the news last night because we're talking about what's at stake for the workers, what they're asking for. You'll see more picketers out there today. And there's a lot on the line in terms of what the ask is. Here's a bit of a breakdown. The union wants a 13.5% raise over three years for members of the Public Servants Alliance of Canada and a 22.5% wage hike for Canada Revenue Agency employees. The federal government is prepared to offer 9% over three years to the various units. Who's got the power? We've got the power! Civil servants insist that's not enough to deal with the rising cost of living. We will continue to work with the PSAC to reach agreements that are fair and competitive. We cannot write a blank check. So you had a pretty good point. We were discussing this in the newsroom this morning, and I think everybody's got an opinion on this, Loren. I think you made a very valid point. Well, you might be sitting there. It's hard not to be jealous when you hear the asks and what the give might be because you think, oh, man, 12 13% is a pretty significant hike in the sense of 4%, 4%, 45 or however that breaks down doesn't keep up with inflation. And the, then there was the secondary ask for the CRA workers of 22%. Where did they come up with that over three number? Years. It sounds like, from what I when I delved into it further, CBSA, so the Border Service Agency, some of its employees got a pay hike in their last negotiations. And CRA wants it to be in line with some of their federal counterparts with the average salary there between 50 and 60K. Big but, difference here. But there's a big ask out of some of the CRA employees and the PSAC employees to stay at home. Right. So I would argue that I, you know, I deserve, if I stay at home, I do still deserve a raise. You deserve a raise to keep up with costs. You deserve a raise because you work hard, but you're staying home and saving costs. So I don't know, 22% plus an ask to stay home seems like a lot to me because now I said it this week, when you're at home, you're saving money. That'd be interesting to do the math on that. So obviously that story will continue to be one that we're watching today. And tonight the Jets are back on the ice in Las Vegas. Nine o'clock puck drop, by the way. It was 8.30 on Tuesday, nine o'clock tonight, 6.30 pregame on your radio home of the Winnipeg Jets, 680 CGOB. So many of us talking about the frightening eye injury suffered by Jets forward Morgan Barron. And it's loose underneath, they're banging away at it. And finally, the whistle will sound. A mad scramble in front of the Vegas Golden Knights net. Morgan Barron a great chance. Appleton a great chance. And one of the Jets is hurt. And Morgan Barron, he's going to the bench without his helmet on. And I think he might have got cut. He got a skate in the face. Yeah, and he is hurt badly. So that from Tuesday night, yesterday afternoon, Dr. Ken Murray, plastic surgeon, medical director, and founding member of the Western Surgical Center, joined Rich and Julie on the news. Can you help us understand how difficult it is to stop the bleeding, close a gash, a big gash like that? It's very difficult. You have to put some freezing, a local anesthetic in, which usually will have a little adrenaline to shrink the blood vessels down. Any big blood vessels, you either have to cauterize or tie off and then close the wound in probably two or three layers to give it some uh, longer-lasting strength. Um, it's really remarkable. He's done so well, and to come back so quickly uh, from that is great. And to get away without any really serious injury other than a laceration. He missed a lot of vital, vital structures, um, didn't hit his eye or his eyelid. 
or is lateralized. So that all looks, you know, very optimistic for just having this result as a scar. There are some nerves in the area that give feeling to the forehead that might give them some areas of numbness over a longer period of time, but hopefully we'll all come back. Does this really come down to to mere centimeters and this is a different conversation? Oh, for sure. The laceration you see at the side of his eye, if it had been over one centimeter, it may have taken where the lid attaches to the edge of the bone orbit and given him an unstable lid and some eyelid problems down the road. Or if it had been more medial than that, more central, it could have been right in the uh, the globe itself and caused vision problems that would more than likely be permanent. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, Derek Taylor, Jeffrey Forche with you on this snowy Thursday morning. The snow has stopped for the most part, at least in downtown Winnipeg, 780-6868 when you can do so in the 204. Text us safely. Let us know what you're seeing. We've got a text already this morning from someone up in Lebo. Loren, he says, uh, snowing in Winnipeg? Got nothing up here. So that's north of the city. They got a ton yesterday in the Gimli area. So maybe much of it melted or he just didn't get hit at all. We'd like to know from you. What are you seeing? What are you dealing with? Morgan Barron, Tuesday night, deals with what can only be described as a nasty injury. Skate just outside the eye. We played some audio from for you from yesterday's conversation that uh, Richard Cluche and Julie Buckingham had with a plastic surgeon just about how lucky Morgan Barron got, uh, just how you know, a couple of centimeters, maybe one centimeter different. And he'd be dealing with something completely different. Baron gets 75 or so stitches, puts on the cage, comes back out. And Loren, you sort of summed it up, the idea. He comes back to the bench and you can almost sense, oh my gosh, here he comes. Well, I think they were on fire anyway, like they really were. But the, when someone comes back out, same when um, in the before the end of the season, you know, Lowry gets in that fight, like those moments where the team just rallies behind the energy that that brings. And so it just had me thinking, there's just all these moments in sport where there's this aha, like they're going to go now like this is just gonna you get the chills and you and it's just it could be a little thing but it's that point where you think this is on this is on it yep. could be movies it could be real life it could be sport tell us a story if you'd like to go to the winnipeg jets white out party on saturday four pack of tickets up for grabs for your best story on the it is on moment Derek taylor uh, you're ineligible for the tickets by the way just uh, so you know dang nabbit uh <laughs> Do you want the sports one or do you want the movie one? Give us both. Give us both because Sarah McCarthy won't be joining us this morning. She's a little busy in the newsroom. Sports one, 2007 Vanier Cup final. I was the voice of the Manitoba Bisons for nine seasons. Uh, The first year undefeated, but they lost in the playoffs too. I think it was Saskatchewan. They next year undefeated a regular season again, rolling through the playoffs during the Vanier Cup at Skydome. John Mackey drops back. And this is one of those ones as a broadcaster. I can't believe I nailed it in the moment. I said, he's got Steve Gronick if he wants some. It's up for Gronick. And it's coming right toward us in the end zone. And Gronick catches it for the touchdown, of course. And at that point, you're like, well, St. Mary's doesn't have its star quarterback. And Gronick's dancing in the end zone. This game's already over. It was still early. It was already over. Then my good buddy Mike Howard with some interceptions to be the defensive player of the game. 
Manitoba Bison's 2007 Vanier Cup champions. It was on it was, when Gronick ran that post wide open in the end zone. I got chills just listening to that. My youngest brother was at that game, and it's also making me smile because Russ Hobson was sent to cover it for Global News. And so my little brother, of course, watched Global News forever and kept yelling from the stands, Russ, hi, I'm a, I'm a Russ brother. And he was like, the whole game, Russ was like, some guy was heckling me. I think he's your relative. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to not own that one right now. Yeah. But, but it was a moment to be there because uh, amateur sport has that different feel to it too, right? Like, yeah, and the, and the Vanier and the Grey Cup were paired together that right. year, right? And the Bombers went to the Grey Cup. I don't remember what happened in we're that game at all. We're not talking about that one. That was a stinker. I, well, we'll stick with the Vanier. Yeah, that one uh, did work. Uh, on the movie side, do you guys remember Mr. and Mrs. Smith mm-hmm. from 2005? Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Jennifer Aniston remembers that movie. I <laughs> suspect she, she would. There's an opening scene where uh, they're talking to a, uh, a psychiatrist, right? And they're both sitting in little chairs, looking at the camera, talking to a psychiatrist. And I had no idea what was happening at the time, but I just watched that scene. I'm like, man, these two are going to go at it. Like these two are in absolute lust for each other. Little did I know that the actual two actors were at an absolute lust for each other. But I'm like, it is on between Brad Pitt and Angelina it's Jolie. Called, because it's called method acting. They were fa- like that scene is fantastic. The chemistry. Sometimes you can just see it, right? Like yeah. It, it, and then lots of movies or, or TV shows where you think it is on in a different way. Well, the first time Mackling and I did a broadcast together. Absolutely. Like it was connection. on. Connection. See, sometimes it's undeniable. Jeffrey Forte and Master Control. Okay, I'm picking a movie. It's a little out there. I'll just fire this clip. Don't worry about it. You're still in good shape. All you got to do is just tap it in. Just tap it in. Hey, just tap it in. Just tap it in. Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a So, yeah, that's Happy Gilmore. Uh, that's Happy Gilmore. And, you know, like... He learns how to putt because he couldn't putt at first and he learns how to putt and he learns the game of golf and he's killing it. And then the guy who, uh, Shooter McGavin, you know, pays and hits Happy Gilmore with the car and gets injured and he's not on his game. He's not playing well. You think he's done for. But then he goes to his happy place and then he starts killing it. And then a tower gets in the way of the last hole and you think, oh, this is over. But no, he wins it. He wins it. It was a great comeback. It was like once he went to that happy place, you knew it was on. Ah, I like that. I like that. That was an incredible movie. Incredible. Happy learned how to putt. Yes. <laughs> Takes the gold jacket. Yes. Outstanding memory. Uh, one of uh, so many people's favorite movie of all time. And quotable, too. The oh, number of times you use things ridiculous. from that movie. Like, the price is wrong. <laughs> the price is wrong, Bob. What about you, McNabb? I feel kind of mean for this one because Forties is so lighthearted. And it feels mean because of where 2013 Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's game seven. <laughs> And, oh, sorry. and Boston's laugh. down what? I was it by four goals? Four one. Four so it's four one. And everybody who was not a Leafs fan was sitting there thinking, wouldn't it be funny if like so I think it was Horton got the second goal. Wouldn't it be funny if they made a comeback? And then they scored the third goal. And then Bergeron tied it. And I, and it's in that moment, I think there was like a minute left in the game, and the crowd's like, Bergeron, 
And then he scored in overtime. <laughs> and he, he has this great quote that stands out for me because he said we couldn't get off the bench, bench fast enough. It was like we stole something. You know, we got to go. We like stole this. We got to go. Now, they went on to lose in the Stanley Cup final. But that I, as a person who was not cheering for the Leafs in that moment, but also just what like what is happening in this stunning turn of events and the collapse for the other team. That just, this, You knew it was on somewhere. Something yep. magical just started happening in that third period. Oh, poor Toronto Maple Leafs fans. I lived through three different collapses by the Winnipeg Jets and or Phoenix Coyotes. The Coyotes 3-1 series leads that dissipated, evaporated, disappeared ultimately. 204-780-6868, your time. It was on like Donkey Kong moment, whether it's from your real life, whether it's from sport, whether it's from the movies, and you could be going to see the Winnipeg Jets whiteout street party Saturday afternoon in downtown Winnipeg. What's today? Today is Thursday, but tomorrow's a special day. It's Earth Day, and as we look ahead to warmer days, hopefully, and maybe even some spring cleaning, our next guest wants you to pause and consider what you do with a certain item thousands of us toss from our homes every single year. It could be cords, it could be chargers that don't work anymore, it could be old cell phones, old laptops, old TVs. Dennis Newfield is with the Electronics Products Recycling Association and joins us now to talk about how we can better get rid of these items. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time because I think we all have a drawer in our house. I know I do. That's filled with things that are no longer useful to me per se. You know, the little cords, the the old phones, the old cameras, but I don't really know what to do with them. So what's the option out there? Yeah, the option is... Well, first of all, the option is not to go into the garbage can because that's that's the wrong place. The right place is to bring it to us. And you're absolutely right. People think about, you know, what do I do with my cell phone? I'm going to take that in for recycling. And they forget about the cord. Everybody has that junk drawer that they have cords that they don't even know what they charge up anymore. Uh, and we take that stuff because we're going to recycle those cords back and, and put those items right back into the manufacturing process. Dennis, it's so much easier now than it was once upon a time to recycle that computer monitor, that television, that uh, old stereo. Uh, The 4R depots are fantastic. Talk about how simple it's become in the last five, six years. Yeah, we we actually started the program. We celebrated our 10th anniversary last year. And, you know, we started off with 22 locations. And, and yeah, it was a little bit tougher to find us. uh, But today we have 102 locations, lots in the city of Winnipeg. Heck, we're even in, in Churchill. We're everywhere. We're making it easy for people to drop off. And it's really easy to find us. You go to our website, recyclemyelectronics.ca. You're met with a postal code locator. Pop in your postal code. It's going to give you the five closest locations and their hours of operation. So it's really easy to find us. You know, the question gets asked all the time. We make so many inroads in recycling. What's done with all the metals and I don't even know, gadgets that are inside all these things? Yeah, so so what it does is after we collect it, we send it back into our processing plant, which is located right here in Manitoba. And what they do is they physically, with machinery, break the items down. And as they break it down, they separate out. The plastics go one way, 
and then it, the metals go the other, and then the metals get separated. So we end up with brass, aluminum, copper, steel, and those items go straight back into the manufacturing of new items. So it might come back as a pop bottle or, or uh, you know, a bike. Um, so we, we separate out the metals and, and we reuse them so we don't have to mine new materials. And that's what's really important and a big important uh, for Earth Day, that we have these metals and they're free we've got them let's reuse them let's not re go and mine new materials dennis newfeld epra program director has been our guest dennis before we let you go that website so we can find out what we can take and where we can take it RecycleMyElectronics.ca. dennis thank you for this and uh an early happy earth day to you Happy Earth Day to you and happy 3% to us. Go Jets, go. (laughs) Right on, (laughs) Dennis. Well said. It is 7.13 Thursday morning and uh, a couple of our listeners weighing in on uh, what a group of turkeys is called. Gary, otherwise known in our text line as Sleepy Beefaroni, says it's a clubhouse of turkeys Mm -hmm. versus a turkey clubhouse. And Brett and Selkirk? Who actually sent the original picture? It's called a dinner of turkeys. <laughs> Let us know uh, if you want to make something up. It's even better than what the actual thing a group of turkeys is. So we've had at least uh, half a dozen of you say that uh, a group of turkeys are uh, uh, politicians, parliament. So uh, no more of those. Wah, wah. We want we want some original ones. Mackling, McNabb, with you, McGarry, back in the saddle uh, tomorrow. Uh, Some of the more entertaining um, conversations and suggestions with regard to a group of turkeys is uh, a lot of, one of our listeners says a lot of turkeys are called a band for the drumstick. So like a marching band. I like that. What about you, McNabb? What have you got there? Well, the accurate one. Do we want the accurate one or the fun one? And I don't know if I want to say the the raised text. I like what he said. Say it. Okay, Ray says a group of turkeys in Vegas is called the Golden Knights. Ray is feeling very confident (laughs) as we head into game two. Ray, don't make me regret this moment. (laughs) One of our uh, master engineers, Mike Gisson, is in the the studio with us. He goes, oh boy, people have short memories, eh? We won game one in 2018 as well in the Western Conference Final against Vegas. This is a different season, different team, Mike. Come on, man. Uh, a Feast of Deliciousness from Jolene. He's not even making eye contact with us no, in the studio right no, now. No, he's not happy Doesn't want to weigh this. in. And, and for the guy who's as superstitious as I am, I don't even know why I'm embarking on this, uh, on this road of conversation. Because you don't like to jinx things. You worry about this stuff. I do worry about this stuff. I'm a little, if not a lot, stitious. Superstitious is taking it just a tiny bit too far. Cliff says a group of turkeys is clearly called a stuffing. Ooh, that's a good way to go. Yeah. So what is what is the, what is the real one? John says they're called a gobble of turkeys. Is this accurate? No. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we get John it. John sounded very, very confident in we, his suggestion. We could Google this. And we prefer just to go to the audience. And then, of course, one of our smart listeners, I believe, did Google it. Jacob says a group of wild turkeys is called a flock. Domesticated turkeys are called a rafter or gang. I could see them being a gang. A gang. Wild turkeys are a gang. We're talking about this because of all the wild turkeys that are being noticed out there on Main Street. Kildonan, tons of people weighing in on just seeing them out there right now, which I had said earlier was a sign of spring. They're a tad confused today, but they're out there and ready to uh, gang up on us, maybe.
It is our small town salute. And this morning, Loren, we wanted to talk a little more hockey because the Stanley Cup playoffs are in fact on. Everybody and or most people know that. But I don't know how many people realize that there are a gaggle of Manitobans who are participating in the Stanley Cup playoffs with a variety of teams. The Jets don't have any Manitobans on their roster, but the Vegas Golden Knights have no fewer than four, including three players who were on the ice to start the game on Tuesday night. So we have Mark Stone, of course, from Winnipeg, Zach White Cloud from Sioux Valley First Nation. I know his dad had flown to Vegas earlier this week. We have Brett Howden from Oak Bank. Keegan Colasar from Winnipeg, and then the Asterix, besides, of course, Nolan Patrick's name, who's struggled with some injuries. Yeah, uh, that's an unfortunate uh, situation for Nolan Patrick. Uh, Colorado has uh, Darren Helm, uh, the pride of St. Andrews, Manitoba, on their roster. From Brandon, you have Kalen Addison on the Minnesota Wild, along with Connor Dewar from the Paw, and, of course, Winnipeg's own Ryan Reeves. So three Manitobans on the Minnesota team, and I think there are six Minnesotans on the Manitoba team. I think what's really cool about when you watch any sport is the pride that comes from knowing somebody or having that connection, right? And so when you take a look at that, there might be people in the audience right now who want to give a shout out to someone who no longer plays in the NHL or another sport team, but you might go through that small town. I'd said I'd gone to Russell on spring break and it was so cute, like all the towns you pass along the way that have that, that sound sign up. So Strathclair, Manitoba, of course, uh, Geeky. Morgan Geeky, who uh, actually got had a goal in uh, Seattle's win two nights ago right. in Colorado. So he plays for the Kraken. Um, and then you go through Fox War and I think that's Pat Falloon. Pat there's Falloon. a list of them there. Yep. Then you get to Russell, of course, the O'Fleury, like it goes on and on because there is the same, hey, I knew that kid and I and so yes we don't have our Winnipeg born jet that we can cheer for but it's nice to give a shout out to others and of course uh, Riverton uh, the proud home of the Riverton rifle Reggie Leach when you have your hometown in your nickname you know that's something special and uh, two more Manitobans that we want to mention Seth Jarvis from Winnipeg playing with the Carolina Hurricanes has uh, become a very important part of their team and from Grandview Manitoba Ryan Pulak of the New York Islanders, all participating in the Stanley Cup playoffs this winter. And we want to reintroduce very quickly that uh, Angus Reed poll. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, of course, the only team, the first Canadian team to earn a victory in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Edmonton evened up their series last night at 1-1. They got a 4-2 win over Los Angeles. Toronto's down 0-1 to Tampa Bay. They're back in action tonight. The Jets up 1-0 versus Vegas. But who do Canadians think or has the best chance to break that 30-year Stanley Cup last drought for our country? Well, two-thirds of Canadians surveyed by Angus Reid said they're ready to support any Canadian team to end that three-decade drought of a cup not coming home to Canada. But the most, 25%, put their faith in the Leafs. 23% thought it would be the Oilers who had the best chance of doing that. And just 3% picked the Winnipeg Jets. So here's where the momentum swing comes, where we will galvanize a nation, Greg, and we will turn the tides of people saying, eh, Winnipeg who? We'll show them Winnipeg what for. Let's go, Jets, go tonight.
Mackling and McNabb with you on this Thursday morning. Brett McGarry returns tomorrow. It's a special day. Tickets are on sale now for the 2023 Tri Hospital Dream Lottery. Make your dreams a reality. Win your dream home or $1.25 million cash. There are six amazing grand prize options to choose from, including Dream Homes in Winnipeg, West St. Paul, or Lakefront in Kelowna, British Columbia. Loren McNabb, this year's 50-50 plus jackpot can grow to an incredible $2.5 million. And as you know, with a 50-50, winner takes half. Don't have to explain that to you, but just keep that in mind. It's kind of like a second grand prize. In fact, there are millions to win in this year's lottery with your 2023 Dream Lottery tickets. You'll be entered to win over $2,100 prizes, and all of them have a cash option with any Lottery launch, it's important to remind ourselves, in my mind, Lorenda, of the reasons why St. Boniface Hospital, Health Sciences Centre, and Children's Hospital of Manitoba are so important. Because I don't know anybody that doesn't have a story, whether it's about themselves or somebody that they love, that that doesn't involve one of those three pillars of healthcare in our province. So we want to welcome onto the program two important guests. We have, of course, with us right now, Paul Fontaine, who was hospitalized at St. Boniface with a low pulse just weeks before his 33rd birthday. Uh, This is due to a rare condition, a cardiac condition, and uh, they had to revive him. His heart stopped beating at some point. So we want to say good morning to Paul. How's it going, Paul? Morning. Going really well. How about you? I'm great. Thank you. And with him, Shay Ferens. How how are you, Shay? I'm doing well, thanks. Shay, you're part of this story, of course, because there was a a baby due along the way, uh, right in and around the time this happened. So we'll get to that in a moment. But Paul, can you take us back to what was going on just before you turned 33 with your heart? Uh, Essentially, yeah. yeah. I went into St. B emergency with a low pulse. And um, within what felt like 15 to 20 minutes, I was in a hospital bed being told by a nurse that my heart was failing and that I would need a pacemaker put in pretty pretty quickly. At this point, did you did you know going into the hospital that you had this condition, Paul, or that was that revealed as you were going through uh, everything in the ER? I was actually diagnosed with like first degree heart block um, a couple months before that. So I, I didn't I didn't think anything of it mm. at the time. So you're 33 years old and this was supposed to be an exciting time. Not that this is exciting, but certainly a life-changing event for you, Paul. Uh, you're waiting uh, for your partner to uh, give birth to a baby. Yeah, it was, it, was very, um, it was very close. What was going through your mind? I've been in that situation myself, by the way, where I'm in hospital and, and the nurse looks at you and says, uh, Mr. Mackling, you're having a cardiac event please uh, take this medication in order to help us figure out what's going on and help slow your heart down. So Mm -hmm. just talk about what's going on in your mind at your age with everything that's going on in your life. Well, obviously I was in shock at the time. Um, I couldn't really process what was going on. Um, And just having the the nurse tell me this at 33 and, you know, everything – uh, going on in life with a new baby on the way. We had a we have a son as well, and uh, it was the biggest thing that was going on through my head was will I be will I be alive to see the birth of my child? So Shay, in this moment, you know it's supposed to go the other way. You're eight months pregnant, and you're supposed to be calling Paul and saying I'm on my way to hospital. You're not supposed to be getting a call from hospital or your husband that that he's the one in trouble. So talk us about just when you get there. How did the staff? 
help you through what was going on? Because that that must have been so incredibly trying to be that far along, but also now have a life and death situation on your hand. Yeah, so it actually was in the middle of COVID. And so partners and loved ones were not allowed to go into the emergency room with um, with their loved ones. So when I dropped Paul off, kind of in denial at the uh, emergency room, they actually thought that it was me that was there for the, the treatment. And it wasn't. So I had to go back to my vehicle and wait. So I wasn't there with him while this was happening. And I received the call while I was sitting in my vehicle that um, Paul was in heart failure and uh, he he needed immediate surgery or immediate um, care because he wasn't going to make, you know, there's a chance he wasn't going to make it through the night. So it was, I I don't know how I didn't go into early labor. It was, uh, it was traumatizing. It was really terrifying. And uh, I wasn't sure if he'd be there to see my daughter, Elena born. I didn't know if he'd ever see our son throw a baseball Um, You know, Elena take her first steps, which she just did recently, which is really exciting. But all those things went through my head and I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what our future held. Elena, when you think about the the, the whole idea of of Paul being in the circumstance that he's in, hopefully that didn't cause you too much, you know, physical distress because at eight months pregnant, you got to be really careful and think about how life events, your own health can impact uh, the baby inside you. Yes, absolutely. I know that I, I knew I had to be careful. I knew that, you know, I had to protect the baby in my belly. And, uh, but I also knew that Paul was in the best hands possible. You know, I'm fortunate enough that I work for one of the, the hospital foundations, the HSC Hospital Foundation. So I see the impact of this every day. I see, you know, patients whose loved ones are in the emergency rooms. And this was the, one of the first times um, that I was one of those loved ones that was being impacted by this and knowing that you know, it's the lottery ticket purchasers, it's the donors that are making this possible. You know, he's receiving this care and it's the best care possible. And so that that was reassuring, you know. Paul, how are you feeling now before we let you run? I feel incredible. I'm alive. <laughs> Outstanding. And- Getting much sleep, though, with the young kids? <laughs> oh, absolutely. They're, they're, they're dream children. Absolutely, he's getting sleep. Oh boy, I'm, I'm going to come to your house to get some rest then. Wow, I want some tips too. Paul Fontaine, Shea Ferens, thank you for sharing your story. It's thank not you. a super common story in terms of the timing of all this, but of course it's so common that uh, Manitobans have interactions with not just St. Boniface Hospital, but also with HSC, with Children's Hospital. Not very often that you're doing it weeks apart to very life-altering experiences. Get your tickets now online at tryhospitaldream.com or if you'd prefer by phone 204-254-9131 if you have a story like Shay and Paul's or you know somebody like that support the foundations that support the work that these fine hospitals do Derek Taylor standing by. He's got the latest sports news coming up at 9.25. But before that, Loren, we've been asking our listeners about that. Oh, it's on a moment. I was just reading a quote from Adam Lowry with regard to Morgan Barron's nasty cut, 75 plus stitches. Uh, apparently, Lowry said that uh, Barron looks like he was attacked by a shark. Whew. 
That's a lot of stitches. I, I, and of course, they're not all on the surface, no, inside, right? They right? Had They'd to have to close things. Do it things. sort of in layers, right? Yikes. And it's such a thin area of skin. So you'd, it'd be, I just, the process there is incredible. So that, that's, I'm thrilled to see that he's coming back in the lineup tonight. I think that's fantastic. But we were talking about the moment he came back in the game as well, right? And sort of that, how it, that uplifted the team even more. They were already playing great, but there's those moments in sports where something happens where either the team says, we're going to go get it. Like this is, this is on, or the fans might be watching and thinking, uh-huh, here we go. And so we have one winner because we both love this moment Going back to 2019, Gerhard, the moment it was on, Zach Claros, first start with Winnipeg in that magical four-game run in 2019. The last play of that first game, the last regular season game, Medlock comes out onto the field. Listen to that clip and you'll figure out who wins. Latour sends it back. It's down. It's in the air. And Medlock is celebrating. He makes the kick. And the Blue Bombers have won it. And so has Gerhard won it. Four tickets, a family four-pack to the Whiteout Street Party on Saturday afternoon ahead, well, ahead of, during, and after Jets Golden Knights game time on Saturday is 3 p.m. It's Mackling. It's McNabb. McGarry returns tomorrow. Game day, Winnipeg Jets, Vegas Golden Knights, or game night, which could go into tomorrow conceivably here in Manitoba, Loren is puck drop is just after nine o'clock barring overtime. The game should be before done before midnight. However, if it goes into extra time, we'll be up until Friday morning. I was joking with you and Cam Poitras and Derek Taylor, who's filling in with Cam that we should just sort of have like the George Costanza sleep station under our desk and come watch the game here and then just roll underneath and dim the lights in the newsroom and then roll back out for the morning. That's a late, that's a late night, I think. You, no matter if you're getting up at three in the morning or six in the morning, because it's just, you're, you're not falling asleep after quickly. You're not. Well, we're up uh, around three in the station just after four. Jamie Thomas is in Las Vegas and of course, Jamie, you're on Pacific Time right now. Jamie Thomas, Jets TV, and also analyst here on the games here on 680 CJOB. Uh, uh, next to Paul Edmonds, uh, you're telling me you've been getting up at 6 a.m. Vegas time? Yeah, yeah. Like, and even 5.30. When I first got here, it's like 5, 5.30 because dad mode kicks in and you're usually <laughs> up. <laughs> so uh, you can't sleep in no matter what. So, and like, I haven't even seen the third period of the, any of the Oiler games or the, the late games here because it's like 9, 30, 10 o'clock. So I think I, last night I made it. I finally made it to watch the end of the Oilers game. But I did not see any of the overtime games uh, with Dallas and, and, and the Edmonton Oilers in the first game of their series. So, um, you know, I'm almost on Pacific time, but we're coming home tomorrow. Jamie, so we'll figure that out. It's been uh, about 19 years since I saw the other side of five o'clock in a casino <laughs> in Vegas. Like, uh, like are, are you, you uh, playing blackjack with a bowl of fruit loops? What's the dealio? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. What did I, I, I the only time I've ever, <laughs> if I get those like kid size, cause they have the kid size ones in the, in the, in the box, uh, in the breakfast, in those boxes. <laughs> so if I just cut that open and just said like feeding myself or get somebody to feed me while I'm pushing the slots, <laughs> that would, 
that would be the site of attractiveness that no one could take away from me. Like ever. a high chair to strap you in just yeah. in case you fall yes. asleep. Not in case yeah. you like imbibe too much, but just in case you fall That's asleep because right. you're old dad mode. <laughs> yeah, messy hair, like bad socks on. Cheerio stuck to the big, side of your cheek, you know, that kind of thing. Right. I went to the, I went, when we were in Denver for that last regular season game, I put, I put a t-shirt on from some sorts and black socks and I got hassled so badly and my wife's like, that, you look so unattractive. I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought I was wearing baseball clothes, baseball game clothes, but apparently I had a horrible outfit on. So um, I'm fully in dad mode, and it's uh, not going away anytime soon. Well, I suggest uh, you eating Fruit Loops at the blackjack table. A yeah. picture of that might go viral. So has something, and maybe you can clear this up for us. Uh, my son told me yesterday, Elliot Friedman says, Dad, that yeah. uh, that the pedals have been removed from the, the bikes in the training uh, room of the, of the Jets. So uh, pedals, yeah. we don't need no stinking pedals anyway. But is this a, a keyboard warrior tweeting out false information with a false attribution to our friend Elliot Friedman? Uh, I would, I would probably have to confirm that would, that that's what happened. That's the, uh, exercise bike outside the Jets dressing room at T-Mobile arena that was, it was missing some pedals. So or I'll pedal. So I don't like, it's part of the game and ship, I guess, as it goes on between, uh, these two teams. I remember the first time these guys played each other in 2018, they waited to turn on the lights at the, for the practice for the morning skate till right at, um, 1130. Like it, it was, there's some weird stuff going on, but, um, I guess it's all part of the, the games that have to be played because uh, the Jets had won game one of that series, and I guess the Golden Knights organization wasn't too happy about it. But that's 2018. We're not going to talk about that anymore because they're up one nothing in this series in 2023. One bike with one pedal missing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Sometimes, you know what? I've bought lots of exercise bikes with one pedal. So this probably can't be this this this, this can't be a coincidence. <laughs> We've all got that, right? I get it. I get it. but it kind of feels to me like maybe coach bonus is pulling yeah. like a Michael Scott, you know, where he went out in the <laughs> office to like galvanize the team. Yeah. He went and deflated yeah. all their tires, you know, just to say, That's Look right. what the other look what the other office crew is doing to us. We need Michael, to get how out. come your tires aren't flat? <laughs> we need to get out we need to get out there and, and show these stinking golden knights yeah. they can take our pedals, but they can't take our courage. That's right. You, like this, that, that's exactly what they're doing, Loren. Thank you. When you bring the office into this, it was Brick Bonus, who's up really early here. So that, that was... <laughs> oh, this is... We are weaving tales now. This is great. We put that in your 32 thoughts, Elliot Friedman. <laughs> According to uh, PLD, Pierre-Luc Dubois was a standout for the Jets on Tuesday night. Who was sneaky good for the Jets in your mind, Jamie? Uh, Dylan Sandberg. So he's playing his first National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoff game. And I don't know if you guys, but in the third period, he sends a cross-ice pass from the Jets' blue line to the other side of the ice. It was a perfect pass. Almost got picked off. But that was what Dylan DeMel- or Brendan Dillon talked about yesterday. It's just like he just had that, you know, that was, it was a little, little uh, it was a cautious pass, but uh, it was right on the tape. And he was, he was physical. He, he pounded Jack Eichel on the boards. In, in the third period. So for a guy that had never been to the Stanley Cup playoffs before, I thought Dylan Sandberg was sneaky good in the back end pair with Nate Schmidt. And you like that pairing guys, because I, I don't know if Dylan Sandberg was nervous, but you have a guy like Nate Schmidt that just talks forever sitting beside you on the bench and, uh, and you, you know, talking on the ice as well to settle you down just in case those nerves were there. But he was, he did not look like a rookie in the Stanley Cup playoffs at, at all to me. I loved his physicality. He just keeps, getting better and better. And that's why, you know, Logan Stanley and 
Kyle Capabianco, those guys haven't been able to get into the lineup that much because Dylan Sandberg has been lights out the last half of the season. It does not look like a young player in the National Hockey League at all, in my opinion. Greg Macklin is my Nate Schmidt in the morning, just chats away, oh. just to keep me going. I, I, I'm kidding. Yeah. But we were talking about who we might... We need that person. <laughs> we all need someone like that. It's yeah. about common you, yeah. and sometimes you need them to be silent, or sometimes you need yeah. them to just to, to find ways to distract you, right? And I think when you look yeah. at what's, what's gelling with this team, there is a lot of talk about the lineup and who we may see in and who we may yeah. see out. And so I want to talk about Ehlers, what we know about yeah. him. Is this a health thing, or is it more like, look, things went well Monday night, or Tuesday night, rather, and we're, we're going to keep things as they are? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. But like, if Nikolai Ehlers is fully healthy, you, you're not going to go with, well, we won game one, and uh, we're gonna, just going to keep you out. But I, Rick Bonus said to Paul Edmonds in Coach's Corner, it's just like you don't want to lose him for the entire series because you put him into the lineup mm-hmm. too early. Uh, and, he, and he flat out said, I, I won't do that. So the way the line rushes were yesterday, they had Ehlers down the third line. So that, and, and, of course, keep in mind, Kevin Stenland, um, Morgan Barron, who deserved the day off, obviously, didn't take the skate another than Neil Pionk. So to me, they didn't really have that second line looking the way it ordinarily does with him, with uh, Vladislav Nemesikov and, and Blake Wheeler. So my guess is they're going to hold on to him one more night uh, and then maybe bring him back in the lineup on Saturday afternoon. But we'll have to see him morning skate still here a little bit away. But it's a guess on my behalf that I don't think we're going to see Nikolai Ehlers tonight. Plug your ears here, Jamie. Uh, just in from yeah. Manitoba Highways, Highway 1 from Brandon to the Saskatchewan border is now reopened. This closure was due to poor winter driving caused by rainy and icy conditions. I'm sure you have no and get no shortage of, uh, of weather reports from back home while you're in mm-hmm. the desert. So uh, we yeah. don't need to dwell on that one. But before I let you go here, we had a conversation with John Shannon yesterday. John didn't agree with me on this, but one of my buddies who played hockey for a long time was a goaltender. He he wasn't NHL caliber, but he was a sensational goaltender, did agree with me. So let's see where yeah. you fit in here. Laurent Brossois was not the reason the Knights lost, but I thought he was very lucky several times in the first period, was caught out of position several other times. We know about mm-hmm. the scrambles uh, yeah. in front of him. I mean, I know a goalie can't control that to a certain extent. I think there's a couple of those goals. One for sure I think he'd like back. Is Braswan a short leash here, or do you think this is his series start to finish uh, more or less no matter what? Uh, I think he gets one more game, but if you let's say they lose this one and you come to Winnipeg down 2-0 and you need something, I, I think it's likely you would see Jonathan Quick. But I, I, I agree with you. He didn't lose the game, but that third goal I, I think he'd like to have back. And I found him, he was fighting the puck throughout the night, right? There's a lot of, he would make saves, but the puck would be sitting here, he wouldn't, you know, it would drop out of his glove or would, you know, his mm-hmm. blocker and land in the crease. And, you know, if there's a jet hanging around that area, it's not easy to get to the front of that ever. But there's somebody around, I think that could have been a lot worse. But uh, he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't terrible, but I don't think he was that solid either. So um, the, good on the Vegas Golden Knights. And Bruce Cassidy didn't point that out at all because there are a lot of the goals that happened because the Vegas wasn't defending as well as they normally have. And a lot has to be given credit to the Jets too. So um, I think Bersois... I believe he's on a short leash because, you know, you're down 2-0, you need something, you're going back to the other team's rink, and it's going to be loud. Um, it's a sold-out rink. You just need some type of momentum swing. But uh, Lauren Bossois, you know for a fact, the competitor that he is, he had won five straight coming into the playoffs, so he was playing very well. 
you know, for a fact, he's going to want to get that win on the board before uh, Vegas comes to Winnipeg. Well, Vegas isn't going to be skating like uh, they look like they're in quicksand at, at, at points. They, they, they weren't their normal fast self on Tuesday night. At times, I wondered if it was ice conditions, but both, uh, both teams are playing on that, uh, on that ice at T-Mobile. Absolutely. And uh, listen, like, a lot of, we have to give some credit to the Jets, too, because the, they, they knew that they had to defend the front of their net. Vegas is great off their transition game. And it was the Jets' transition game that was better than Vegas' uh, on, on Tuesday night. And I think, you know, everyone was looking at the regular season. Keep in mind, guys, like the Jets played, the first time they played Vegas was the second game of a back to back. And the second time they came here, they were playing their third game in four nights. So Vegas had the advantage in that one. And then it just a bad third period in Winnipeg is what cost them the game. So that was why they they lost all three games of the regular season series. So um, that's out the window. Now we're going to see. Well, Jamie's uh, time on his prepaid cell phone just, <laughs> just ended. <laughs> he fell asleep. Jamie Thomas. We'll hear Jamie on the broadcast tonight, of course. 6.30 pregame con- coverage here on your radio home of the Winnipeg Jets. 680 CJOB. 9 o'clock, 9.10. They're about the face-off. Uh, can't be more excited than I am right now. Uh, the, the hype machine. Yeah, you can. You can get more excited. No, I, I, I can't. I can't because then it'll just turn into straight nervousness. Can the Jets go up 2 nothing on Vegas tonight? It's going to be a tall task because the Golden Knights do not want to come back to Winnipeg for Game 3 Saturday who's down the, 0-2. Who's the Nate Schmidt of your life that keeps you calm on the couch while you're watching? <laughs> Nobody keeps me calm on the couch. That's half the reason why I've I've stopped going to as many Jets games as I used to because I can yell, mm-hmm. I can scream, I can swear, and you also don't want to have someone talk to you. Probably no, 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 no. I, I, I prefer no, not silence. But I just I want to say what I want to say as loud as I want to say it. Nine forty nine. Everybody else is supposed to shut up if I'm hearing that right. My kids are loud, and you've met Jackie. She's not exactly quiet. It's the, the That's why do- I love her. The dogs are scared. Let's put it that way when uh, we're watching the game.